Part 1 Laying the Groundwork Chapter 1 Living Together as a Market It is dangerous to awaken the lion. The tiger's tooth is perishable, but the most terrible of all the horrors, that is man in his delusion. Friedrich Schiller, Poet and Thinker this book is about why we need alternatives in the most important area of our lives and what those alternatives might look like. That area is living together with others. Our worst enemies have long since ceased to be natural disasters or predators. Other people have become the main threat. The crucial question is therefore how we shape the community with our fellow human beings. Humans are capable of agreeing on certain worldviews and even sacrifice their lives for them. If those ideas are dubious or dangerous, everyone else is in danger. The only real problem with mankind is that people seek to impose their will on others. The task is therefore to create an order which prevents this from happening. The prevailing view in the West assumes that a combination of democracy and the rule of law is sufficient to combat the abuse of power and facilitate prosperous coexistence. After the collapse of the communist Eastern Bloc, some were even proclaiming the end of history. Liberal constitutional democracies were seen as the end point of development, further progress no longer being possible. Soon, all countries around the world would adopt this system. This is a mistake, however, partly because of the fact that all our liberal democratic constitutions violate their own civil laws in that they are contracts to the detriment of third parties. We will come back to this idea later. Our coexistence is also a market arrangement because it is subject to the same forces whether we like it or not. A market is always present whenever and wherever people come together who are not yet completely satisfied. Every market is characterized by bringing together the supply and demand for goods, services, and rights. Even if the majority of voters prefer an anti-market economic system and politicians implement such a system, this is a market result. States also exist because there is a demand for them. A state order creates a framework within which people can interact socially and exchange goods peacefully. The existence of security and fixed rules makes it possible for large numbers of people to live together. Such coexistence is so attractive that people are willing to accept considerable restrictions on their personal freedom to enjoy it. Even the subjects of the most violent dictator will likely choose the status quo over the life of Robinson Crusoe on a lonely island. Man is a herd animal. The market of living together is not only the most important, but also the largest market. State activity accounts for approximately 30% of the gross domestic product of all countries. Nonetheless, the performance is poor. The largest company in this market the United States of America shows losses of approximately $1,000 billion per year on its balance sheet. Some market participants, such as Sweden and Germany, intentionally attract unqualified new customers in need of alimentation and thus drive away their high-paying regular customers. 
Some competitors, such as Iran or North Korea, even go so far as to kill their own customers for behavior that wouldn't even be considered punishable elsewhere. Any reasonably skilled entrepreneur should be able to do better. If one could somehow offer the services of the state and at the same time avoid its pitfalls, more and more taxation and paternalism while constantly changing the rules of the game, then a better product will have been created. If the product is successful, more people will want something similar. New concepts will be necessary to get there, of course. If every new approach is rejected at the outset as a utopian pipe dream, stagnation is likely to result. The crux of past political utopias is that voluntary participation was never intended. Almost all of the classic utopian ideas are basically totalitarian, starting with Plato and his philosopher kings to Marx's dictatorship of the proletariat and going right up to the current idea of a great transformation because of climate change. An enlightened minority gets its way, regardless of whether everyone or anyone else thinks it's a good idea or not. If this minority is replaced by a democratic majority, only the number of people who are being governed against their will changes, not the principle behind the scheme. Competition as a discovery process, on the other hand, hardly ever takes place between state orders. On the contrary, the state is pushing ahead with cartel-like international agreements in order to prevent tax or system competition. Although the communist model has practically ceased to be represented in the market for living together since the collapse of the Soviet Union, this process has also taken more than 70 years. And here lies another problem. There is only the possibility of introducing a new product in this market segment by taking over the government, by revolution or by secession. This makes it extremely difficult to penetrate the market at all. It takes generations for knowledge about the effectiveness of different forms of government to take hold. They hardly become evident during the lifetime of any individual. Even in democratic states, there is a constant lack of an outlet for minorities to install counter-models, which may prove to be superior later on. Patri Friedman, the founder of the Seasteading Institute, was one of the first to recognize this. State industry needs innovation because any form of rule will sooner or later become rigid. The organization of saturated civilizations becomes encrusted over time. The state reduces capacities and, in turn, raises prices. This also and especially applies to Western democracies. For many, the idea that state and market are two separate spheres seems completely unusual, and it seems completely natural to us that a leader or a gathering of wise people make our political decisions for us. So much so that we do not even consider self-determination as an alternative. Let's do a thought experiment. Suppose we had created a new type of marmalade. We could now argue with others about which marmalade is the best, could found citizens' initiatives, clubs, and parties that advertise our brand. We would try to attract media, artists, intellectuals, and powerful interest groups to our side. We would commission expert opinions and surveys to prove the superiority of our marmalade over other varieties. In short, we are pursuing a marmalade policy.
That would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? Let everyone buy the marmalade they like. We'll see if our kind succeeds. However, we have not yet come up with the idea of applying this approach to how we live together. Here, we continue to fight passionately for the right or just approach. Why don't we just accept that we humans are different and that what A likes doesn't have to appeal to B? We do not get better mobile phones because we have a say as shareholders at the annual general meeting, but because everyone can buy the product they want and poor mobile phones will soon no longer be in demand. Because everyone else does the same, there are excellent and inexpensive devices available today. Even poor people in developing countries can afford to use mobile phones with extensive technical capabilities. This works so well because finding solutions on the market is an evolutionary process that takes place through mutation, trial and error, selection, profitability or bankruptcy, and reproduction, imitation of successful solutions. We must now apply this proven mechanism to our systems of coexistence. If everyone can decide every day with their purchasing decisions which products continue to exist and which do not, is this not much more democratic in the sense of a rule of all? In any case, it certainly seems more democratic than voting every few years for politicians whose intentions are unknown and whose success at implementation is uncertain. The view of a social order as a product and the peaceful competition of systems for citizens as customers will considerably diffuse previous political conflicts. If there are sufficient alternatives, even systems based on ethnic descent or community feeling, including those which reject private property, are only products among many available. This applies even if their organizers vehemently reject this perspective. As long as new experiments take place on limited territory and with volunteers, the damage in the event of failure is also manageable and acceptable due to the informed consent of the participants. The creation of new systems of living together in the 21st century is not only possible, but likely. Stefan Zwig already recognized in 1936 that the majority would never entrust the control of the state to the patient and just, but always to some dazzlers who conjure up great questions of fate and purport to know the answers to them. This has happened so often in human history that it is relatively obvious that the patient and just should now begin to establish their own communities. The chances of that are not bad. People have become more mobile. For many, home in the future will be an adopted home. Technological progress also gives individuals and small groups considerable options for design. At the same time, the trend towards urbanization continues unabated. The majority would rather live in cities than in the countryside, which is also a market result and should be accepted as such. This raises the question of what the cities of the future will look like, for these will be the centers of future societies. An answer to this are free private cities.